you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. This sermon is talking specifically to warriors, but I'm not just talking about Marines or airmen, sailors or soldiers law enforcement officers. Actually, I really want this service today to talk to anybody anywhere in the world who has had some connection to the military. Because maybe you were around in 1975 and you remember the scenes of those last couple of South Vietnamese people grabbing on to the skids of a Huey helicopter as the last aircraft left the embassy in Saigon and the U.S. pulled out of that country and many people struggled with what they saw on the news that night. Maybe you watched the news as the U.S. military pulled out of Iraq and months later ISIS rolled in and started to just brutally murder people in the northern part of Iraq and many of you who served over there started asking what did we do all that for but really this service today the timing of this service today is because people all over the world have watched NATO spend 20 years, and I mean dozens of countries spend 20 years in Afghanistan. And then after the last troops pulled out, listen to this number, 11 days later, the entire nation fell to the Taliban. And my phone started ringing, text messages started coming in, people were emailing me, and warriors and their families were struggling, especially those families that lost somebody in Afghanistan. And they were asking some really tough questions. Some questions that have been asked over and over again through human history. And what I want you to hear right out of the gates today, what I really want you to understand is this service today is designed to talk directly to people who are struggling who are wrestling with the internal war. Because every warrior who's been shot at, a law enforcement officer, maybe you've served in the military, anybody who's been shot at knows it's only after the last bullet is fired that the real internal battle starts. And now that the last forces have kind of left Afghanistan, and now it looks like that country has just gone back to before September 11th, 2001, many people are struggling. So even if you've never served in the military, even if you're not in a military family, what I hope today will do for you is to educate you a little bit on the military, the military families, not just U.S. military, but any family who puts somebody in harm's way, and especially those families who have lost somebody in combat, not just in Afghanistan. What I originally wanted to do is to get a panel of leaders on this stage today. And I didn't have the chance to get them because of the timing and their schedules. I didn't get a chance to get them to come on the stage. So they did the second best thing for me. I called some favors from some people that I highly respect. And I asked them, would you help me? Would you help me just answer a few really honest questions? Today we're going to try to answer three questions for people who have the internal war going on now that the external war is over. And the first question that some of them are asking is looking back on it, all of the blood, all of the tears, all of the sweat, they're asking, what was it all for? And I couldn't think of anybody better to answer this question 
than a couple of special forces leaders who were in the Republic of Vietnam. So I called a personal friend of mine, Stu Weber, and I asked Stu and one of his friends, Mike Ash, if they would answer this question for you. Hi, guys. My name is Stu Weber, uh, pastor for the last 50 years, but the most transforming period of my life was in the Republic of Vietnam, where I served with 5th Special Forces Group. And I have with me today uh, one of my battle buddies. We didn't know each other, though we were in Vietnam at the same time, uh, and discovered that years later that we were within 100 yards of each other. Mike Ash um, was with Max Sog, the real Green Berets, the tip of the spear, if you will, uh, operating way beyond the fence in Cambodia and Laos and North Vietnam, and saw more than his share of action. And uh, we've been battle buddies together for a long time now. And on the day that we watched Afghanistan go down, which you undoubtedly did too, uh, we were struck by some strong things. And Mike uh, watched and he called me immediately and he said, uh, are you having feelings about this day? And I said, I am. I, uh, some anger, some betrayal, uh, some frustration, all of that kind of thing. And uh, I've asked Mike if he'd sit here with me, if we could maybe describe what happened to us when Afghanistan went down. Mike, help us. Well, that's true. I, uh, uh, when I saw what was happening in Afghanistan, uh, I also felt disappointment, uh, just embarrassment, mm -hmm. uh, and then anger. And the anger started building up, and uh, I, I suddenly realized that it isn't probably just me that's having these feelings. And I, Stu, I called you. I called some others, uh, veteran friends. Uh, I called a father that uh, had a son that is deployed six, seven times in Afghanistan mm -hmm. and uh, called Scott Mann. Uh, Scott Mann is with uh, Rooftop Leadership and he does a lot of work with uh, post-traumatic uh, stress. Uh, and uh, he told me about what was going on there and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but it gives me a little hope. Uh, but I was really frustrated with that. Mm -hmm. uh, it brought back for me uh, what happened in Vietnam. Uh, when I was in Vietnam, I'd say I worked with the uh, Fifth Special Forces and specifically MACB SOG. And the soldiers that we had with us were indigenous uh, Montagnards, they were uh, uh, Chinese Nungs, um, and Cambodian mercenaries. And we called those the special commando units. And, and uh, they probably provided 75% of our, we called them trigger pullers, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, they were the fighters, uh, and they were so absolutely loyal to us. Uh, and we promised them, we made big promises. Um, you you uh, work with us and provide, you know, your uh, services, put your life on the line, um, we're gonna take care of you. And um, particularly the Montyards mm -hmm. put their families at risk uh, they lived, there were about 60 Montagnard tribes, okay, in different locations. Mm -hmm. Sites, um, anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. they, uh, very primitive people, um, they put their families at risk when they worked for us. Uh, and the way we left Vietnam was a total abandonment, abandonment of those people. Um, and it, uh, not only the leave no man behind thing bothered me about Afghanistan, but leaving our or they were our men. Mm -hmm. And uh, it bothered me for, for 50 years. Yes. And the results of that, uh, I've been told that 
three million people were incarcerated, some were tortured, some were re-educated, a number were executed, a number were executed. And, and that's something that we just don't hear about, but those of us that in Vietnam, yeah. we came back with those experiences and we've been harboring those feelings for many, many years. And so what it's done for me is to, to bring back those, that, those bad memories that I have, the embarrassment and shame um, that our actions in, in Vietnam as we left. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, um, and probably what was hardest for some of us, uh, there's all that personal relationship with the local people. There's also the sense of betrayal by our leaders. The, what was called by uh, General McMaster's uh, in his thesis, dereliction of duty at the very top. Uh, that uh, it feels like um, those of us who are willing to stand uh, struggle the most because of those who are not willing to stand that are commanding us. That's, that's a very difficult thing. Uh, I would also point out, guys, uh, what Mike mentioned right at the start, that when you're facing these kinds of emotions, the wisest thing to do is find your brothers. Don't go into that kind of battle alone. Uh, you remember Maximus, just before they entered the arena, he says to the other gladiators as the the enemy is going to come at him. He says, whatever comes through those doors, stay together and survive. And that's, that's a major lesson that we would offer you today. Uh, Mike, tell us some more about the aftermath and what you experienced um, in not only your own family, but just in general relationships and, and the temper. You and I both have tempers and they, they jump out of us at times. And we don't know why, except there's something there. Well, the experiences I think we all have in uh, uh, coming back from war, if you will, um, are a little bit different, but I think most of us um, have anger issues. We don't understand why uh, we sacrifice so much, put our lives on the line, uh, lost so many of our good friends. And, and these friends, they're not just good friends. They are so close, I can't even explain it. Yeah. It's like no friendship you've ever had uh, for your battle buddies. And, and when you come home and you've been uh, uh, embarrassed, you've been betrayed like we were in Vietnam, uh, like I feel yep. in, in Afghanistan, it'll lead to the post-traumatic stress yeah. issues. Uh, many of us harbor that inside. Uh, I know I harbored it for many, many, many years, um, and it isn't until I was able to get back together with my battle buddy, somebody I could trust, mm -hmm. that I knew understood yeah. well, what was going on, that I could get my feelings out there. Don't go into battle alone. That was the first lesson of Ranger School. Uh, you two Ranger buddies are going to stay together. You're going to go out together and come in together. And if you don't come in together, you may not come in either one of you. So stay together. That's the first lesson. Tell us, Mike, about the days things turned around for you when you uh, heard Bykirk, if you will. Uh, let me tell you this. Bykirk is a Medal of Honor recipient, a Green Beret medic on the team at, uh, at Doxiang, April of 70. Mike was there in 70. I was there in 70. And so Gary's kind of one of our battle buddies from a distance. And he uh, not only got the Medal of Honor, he also got a horrific case of PTS. Tell him when you met him. Well, I met Gary uh, 
when he came out here to Good Shepherd in about uh, 2009 or 2010, uh, he was speaking about his experience in Vietnam and and uh, how he uh, came to the Lord uh, through that experience. Uh, he's got an excellent uh, excellent story. And I, I sat up there in the balcony kind of watching. <laughs> I, I was kind of searching for uh, who I was, who... who uh, who God was and what that was all about, and Gary's story, because I knew Doc Siang. I knew exactly the day when uh, Doc Siang was attacked and Gary's actions led to the Medal of Honor. He was drug around the battlefield, which was their Special Forces A camp, by two 13- and 14-year-old Montagnard tribesmen who were their soldiers they provided us, uh, drug around the camp because he was he'd been injured to the point where he was paralyzed. Uh, just an amazing story, and so his, that whole story about being in combat, he was Special Forces with the Montyards, I, I knew right there that was, uh, that was something that had a huge, it left a huge hole in my heart, yeah. and I immediately went down and, and approached Stu and Gary as they came off the, the stage. Yeah, and Mike's exact words were to me, looking me in the eye, with both of our eyeballs sweating a little bit, uh, you got to help me get God in my life. And that's what we'd like to leave with you today because there's only one man who has experienced unbelievable betrayal and, un and, and experienced unbelievable battle scars, and that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Gary found him. His pilgrimage began in a hospital in Pleiku when the chaplain said, you want to pray, son? And Gary said, well, I'd love to pray, but I don't know how. And the chaplain said beautifully, he said, well, Gary, it doesn't matter how you pray because God's a really good listener. So our encouragement is stay together and start searching for God. He is visible, he is findable, you can locate him, and Gary did, and Mike did, and I did. And I'd like to recommend, actually, as we leave you, uh, Gary's book. It's about Gary, written by Marcus Brotherton, called Blaze of Light. It's called Courage for Battle, Faith for Crisis, the inspiring story of a Green Beret medic, Gary Bykirk, Medal of Honor recipient. Gary will tell you his life changed when he discovered Jesus Christ, because when he prayed, he began the search and he found him. So that's our greatest gift to you. Yes, stay together. Yes, deal with these issues, but seek God and watch what happens to give you victory over this. Hi guys, my name is Stu Weber. I love the fact that warriors don't cry, their eyeballs sweat just a little bit. And when you hear guys use language like anger and embarrassment and betrayal, some of you out there may start to get some political anxiety. So I just want to say this right out of the gate. If you are a Republican, what I'm not going to do today is condemn President Biden's plans to withdraw. If you are a Democrat, I am not going to condemn President Trump's negotiations with the Taliban. What we're going to talk about today is not the politics. We're not even going to talk about the external battles in Afghanistan or Iraq or Vietnam or even Somalia. What we're going to talk about today is this internal battle. And you heard it beautifully from two warriors who realized, I got to stick together. And I stick together when I'm getting shot at, but I also have to stick together with my brothers after I'm getting shot at because now the internal 
battle is starting. Did you know that this idea of sticking together is a biblical idea? It actually comes from the Old Testament. When God's people were getting ready to march out to battle, God gave Israel some instructions for the army. And he said, hey, tell your officers to get in front of the army. And if there's some guys out there that have just got married, tell them you can just go ahead and go home. Spend some time with your new wife. You don't have to go fight this battle. Then immediately after that, the officers would look at people in the ranks, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8, and they would make this statement. Then the officers would continue to address the army, and they would say, I'm going to use air quotes, stick together or you can leave right now. They would say, is there any man who is afraid or cowardly? Let him leave and return home because his brothers will lose heart. If he doesn't leave and return home, his brothers might lose heart like he does. What those leaders were saying is warriors are forged as a bond in battle that's unbreakable. So you got to stick together when the bullets are flying. And what I want you to hear from Stu and Mike today is when that internal war starts, after the bullets stop flying over your head, that's when you need each other just as much. And you got to stick together there too. The second question that I got asked a lot, I'm still getting asked this question a lot about Afghanistan, is right here. Was it worth it? I lost some buddies or families, gold star families. If you don't come from our country and you don't recognize that phrase, it means the recognition that our government gives to a family who lost a uh, member in war. For those gold star families, those warriors, they're asking the question, I just lost something extremely important to me. Was it worth it what I just lost? And at the essence of this question, it's describing internal struggle. I'm struggling on the inside and I don't have peace, not necessarily peace about what I did, but peace about the results about what I did. So I asked a friend, anybody who's been connected with Two Cities Church, he doesn't need any introduction, but I asked a friend who could speak to this perhaps better than anybody I know, if he would answer this question and give you a little tough love if you're struggling with this. Listen to Kenny Thomas's answer. Hey guys, you don't need any introduction. Most of you who've been connected with Two Cities Church remember Kenny Thomas. I've asked Kenny to help out with this part of the sermon. Because, Kenny, you've had a chance to do something that few warriors will ever get a chance to do. 2013, 20 years after leaving Black Hawk Down in Somalia, you got a chance to go back. Right. In just a second, I'm going to show everybody just a short clip of we, you returning. We got we, a chance to go back. Goose. Sorry, Goose. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Maverick. Um, in just a second, I'll show everybody a short clip of the two of us going back. And then I'd like for you to just talk honestly to guys that are struggling who are watching what's going on in Afghanistan and wondering what's it gonna be like 20 years from now. Mm. So let me show this clip and then would you just talk to, to folks? What nobody has done at this point from Task Force Ranger who was in Somalia, nobody's gone back there. 
A good friend of mine, Kenny Thomas, who was in Somalia with me, called me out of the blue and said, Jeff, are you interested in going to Somalia? And I was the one telling Kenny, do you realize how dangerous Somalia, and specifically how dangerous Mogadishu is? And he said, look, man, I'm willing to go if you're willing to go. Well, so after going back and watching that, I remember you and I had a lot of talks about our expectations of what we were going to get out of going back to Mogadishu. And I think what we both hoped we would see was like this thriving uh, metropolis where there was power restored and the people, uh, by power I meant electricity, not clan power, uh, but where their people were dancing in the streets and, and that they were happy to see us and that just, it just wasn't the case. I mean, we went back and the first thing we had to figure out was armed security. And we were, I think we were there like, those Toyotas that we were in the thing were all armored. And remember we, we got, what you didn't see in that video was we got, the goal was we were gonna go back to the crash site and then jump out, take some pictures, and then, uh, you know, an adios, and that would be the documentary. The problem was, is we got in the town, we got right back into the Bacara market, and the, the guys were like, we're looking at, the, you and I both knew, okay, this is the intersection of, there's a Target building right up there, and the dude takes a left turn, and here we go again, right back in the, in the market street, and y'all, here's Jeff, Jeff's, Jeff is a, Jeff is a pastor at this point, and he gets on the radio and says, we need more weapons. Like, and I'm thinking, yeah, and I did not want to be there. I, we, all of a sudden, the idea of jumping out and taking pictures was silly. We are like, just, let's just get out of here, because you could feel it. And the reason that Jeff and I were feeling that way was because we were by ourselves. We were alone. We did not have that our Superman costume on. We didn't have our uniforms, we didn't have our weapons, but most importantly, we didn't have the guys on our left and our right, which is the invincibility of who we are. That's, that's our strength. And if you ever had to sit down and talk to the, either one of us and say, well, what would you get out of your time in the military? It's gonna be, it was the value of the people that were on our left and our right. That I think, and, and the accountability to those people. Like we all know we're supposed to surround ourselves with good people, but we forget we're the good people that others surrounded themselves with. And, and that, for me, is the one lasting thing that I took from my time with, with the Rangers. When we left Mogadishu, I, I, I would, you know, for, I struggled for about a minute with it, like, God, man, what was the point? Because I remember we went right by one of the buildings, and there were still bullet holes, and, like, they never fixed it. And you're just like, just, it's their country. It's not, it's not the way that I would have done it, and it's not how, what I would have liked to have seen happen, but I was only upset about it for about a minute in, in my struggle, for, well, but then what was it all for? I can tell you with absolute certainty, and, and I think you already know this, and I'm get, the point that I'm getting to is, if you're struggling right now with the end state of, God, why was it all that? You need to go back to why you signed up to begin with and what you're in. The difference you made was here and here. Because I don't care how far you go back into the history of the United States, whether it's you go back to Gettysburg and those boys on both sides of the line, neither one of them would tell you, I'm fighting 
for the end of slavery or I'm fighting for the institution of the free state or the keep the union together. Nobody was fighting Hitler and the atrocities of the Jewish nation. Nobody, my dad was not fighting Viet Cong and the spread of communism. None of us were fighting Sunni clan fighters and the end of world hunger. No one's fighting ISIS, Al-Qaeda. We're not fighting against Taliban. We're not fighting against the war on global terrorism. The only thing you're fighting for is each other in that moment. That's it. And if you can remember that, then this part of it is, I, I, don't, I don't want to use the word acceptable. But this part of it is not on us. Like, and this is something that you can let go. If, you, if you're still finding the struggle, then there's something going on internally that, that's a deeper issue. And what I encourage guys like, and I think Jeff would tell you something. You know, Jeff gets to, he has the word pastor attached to him, but he and I are the same dude. Like I would tell you, like I don't, I don't have the answers as to why it went down the way it did in Afghanistan. And I don't have the answers as to what you've got to do to make yourself right. But I do know the one who does. And that is where I would point people and where I would start. It's as simple as just, hey God, I'm struggling with this, help me out. And you may not like the answer that he gives you, but he's going to make you take a hard look at yourself and what, and maybe how you're treating the people to your left and your right. Who's, who are your, who are your battle buddies now? Is it your family? Is it your community? Is it your church? Is it somebody that, uh, you know, you, are you feeling like you're not part of something? Like he's gonna make you take a hard look and then you're gonna, you're like, oh, okay. And through that process, you'll start to realize that what happens down the line in Afghanistan has zero bearing on the purpose and what the blood and the guts and the and the and the and the heart that you put in to the time you wore the uniform, because the only reason you were fighting was for each other. I, I can promise you that. And then I, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. I think um, the the road to you know I guess it's the recovery of being at peace with where we went and what we did, it has to be a spiritual thing. It's the, I just look y'all, the VA right now is plagued, rampant of PTSD diagnosis in the, in the system and I'm one of them. But when you go and you look at the numbers, it, it's not like, we don't have something like the, there was experts that sat down. So, oh yeah, you got, you're kind of screwed up. Like, and why is that? And it's, I know what the answer is. It's because you're not part of something anymore where you at your basic human connection, the need to be part of something and connected to one another was so real and so basic when you were downrange. And then you come back into the real world and sometimes you don't even get that with your own family and you don't feel it. If that's the case, and that's the, oh, look, Kenny, you're onto something there. I'm gonna tell you what's missing. There's a God-sized hole, and you've gotta go, the only way you can fill that hole is to go to, go to God. But the, just like any kind of rehab, it's, it's, 
it's hard work, man. And I, you know, I know Jeff isn't going to be one of the churches that says, "Hey, come inside our doors and you come to Jesus, and it's all going to be easy." Like you, you come here, it's going to get a little bit tougher, but uh, it'll it'll make more sense to you, and you'll you will come to a place where you're at peace with who you are, what you were a part of, and and why it's going down the way it's going down, because. Since when has it has that ever been why we signed up in the first place? So. Hey guys. Hey, I just I can't say thank you enough to Kenny, but not just Kenny, the star of that video, his dog Key, for um, giving the, his their thoughts on this thing. For those of you who most of you are probably aware of this, this broadcast today is October third, the twenty-eighth anniversary of this battle that he and I took part in. But the reason why we did this video today is, has nothing to do with Black Hawk Down. Truth is what Kenny has been trying to say, what Stu has been trying to say, is people tend to go to war for various different reasons. But when the bullets start flying, the thing that becomes the unbreakable bond is brotherhood and sisterhood. You do it for the guy or the gal that's on your right. That's why you serve. That's why you sacrifice. You do it for the people on your left and on your right. The truth is you're going to deal with some struggles and some frustrations if you went off to battle whenever it was, wherever it was, hoping that you were going to forever change another nation. Because there's no military force in history. Nobody has ever permanently changed the future of another country. Now, some countries were changed for decades or generations, others for days. But no country stays that way forever. And the Bible really wants us to remember there is only one person in the universe that can permanently change human hearts. And because the heart changes, the nation changes. This, of course, is the guy we call King Jesus around here. The book of Psalms says it this way in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some people are going to go on the battlefield trusting or having pride in chariots and others in horses. Modern day analogy, some armies will go to the battlefield um, with great hope in their technology, in their tanks and in their bombers and their helicopters, but not God's people. When God's people go onto the battlefield, they place their trust in something that is much bigger and something that can uh, only this can change the human heart. We take pride in the Lord our God, in the name of the Lord our God. And folks that are struggling with the question, what was it all for or was it worth it? You're asking questions about internal war, a struggle. And it's describing a lack of peace. And so the third and final question that I want to answer is kind of the, what does the future look like? I really wanted to call in my favorite living U.S. general, a man that I have the greatest respect for, but he's a little bit busy. I'm talking about General Colin Powell. And I wanted to use a video that he did to describe 
his thoughts on war and specifically his thoughts on Afghanistan. But I wasn't able to use that video. So I'm just going to try to talk you through a little bit about where humanity is right now and what the future looks like for us. And as Kenny said just a second ago, I'm going to give you kind of a bleak outlook because Jesus gives a bleak outlook about where humans are until the heart changes. There will always be war until something changes in the heart of men and women. And only after the heart changes does war change. Here's how Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 24. And I want you to remember, he said these words 2,000 years ago. They are more true today than ever. Jesus was talking to his disciples and they were asking him questions about when is God going to fix this mess that we live in? Jesus, is it going to be today? Is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be a long time from now? And he starts to give them some realistic expectations. And basically he's saying, I don't want you to go out and to be sorely disappointed. So I need you to be aware. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse four, Jesus replied to them, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name. They're going to claim to be the deliverer of humankind. Many will come in my name and uh, they will try to say to you, I am the Messiah. And if you let them, they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. You're going to hear it in your lifetime in the first century. You're going to hear it in the 21st century. See to it that you're not alarmed because these things, look at these next words, must take place. There's going to be war. and There's going to be a lot more war in the future. But the end hasn't come yet. For nation will rise up against nation, like in Afghanistan or Iraq or Somalia or Vietnam or a hundred other places around the globe in the centuries. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these events are the beginning of the end. They're the beginning of the labor pains that eventually lead to the end of the ages. I want to honor you if you have been struggling up to this point with some internal war questions like, what did I serve for and was it worth it and Is there any hope for the future? Because right now you're on the edge of something great. And the something great that you're on the edge of is realizing humankind can't fix this mess around us. Our technology can't do it. And the military forces that march on the battlefields can't do it. Our politicians can't do it. No one on the globe can do it. Our problems are too big for people to fix. If you would agree with that, let me hear you. What the Bible is saying to us is that we need supernatural help. What Kenny was saying, what Stu was saying, is you need supernatural help if you're struggling on the inside. I also believe that you need brothers and sisters around you, but you definitely need supernatural help. And here's the hope for the future. One day, God is going to come back. And he's going to hit the reset button on this mess that you and I and people all through the ages have created. And when he finally hits the reset button, there won't be any more wars. There won't be any more military. There won't be any more bloodshed. But until that day comes, Jesus is just very raw and honest with us. 
You're going to go through war in the past. You're going to go through some war maybe right now. And, I'm, and, and heads up, there's going to be some wars in the future. And the bullets are going to fly. And you may have the scars on the soul on the inside for the rest of your life for what you've seen. But there is hope. And that hope is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who was willing to become the ultimate freedom fighter and set you free from yourself. And in order to free you from yourself, he would have to be willing to give his life up on your behalf, on a cross outside of Jerusalem as a sacrifice for sin, for your sin. And I want you to understand that he was willing to do that because he loves you so much that he would go on a suicide mission for you. Not only did he go on this suicide mission for you, not only did he become your sacrifice, your payment for sin, but he also became the promise of eternal life. They took that body off of a cross. They laid it in a tomb. He really was dead for three days. And three days later, hallelujah, he, hallelujah, he came out of the grave alive. And any man, any woman, anywhere on the planet who will honestly come to him in faith, surrendering it all, will finally find peace on the inside. And maybe today what you need right here on the screen is this first thing. Maybe you need Jesus to change your soul for the first time. In just a second, I'm going to pray for you. Maybe some of you are struggling and you just need to lock arms with other brothers and sisters in the faith, other brothers and sisters that are gone through battle. We've got a group that we're going to start this week just for you you can get connected with us right there in the mobile app or right there on the military page of our website. But for everyone in this room who claims to be a servant of King Jesus, I want you to leave this service with hope. I don't trust in chariots and I don't trust in horses. I trust in something much bigger than that. I trust in the name of the Lord our God. My hope is in Jesus not military forces, and certainly not politicians. Would you bow your heads, and would you let me pray for you right now, wherever you're at? Father, I, I first want to just say thank you for the voices that we've heard today, these great men and some of these great women that are in this group and watching this service today that have been willing to strap on a gun and to put on a uniform and to serve their community as a law enforcement officer or to serve their country in their military. God, thank you for these courageous, sacrificial warriors and peace officers but God, I really believe that people have tuned in today that are struggling on the inside and they need peace. They're looking for hope. And as they look to the military or to politicians for hope, they're getting totally let down. And maybe you brought them to this moment in their life so that you could show them they have a God-sized hole and only you can fill it. So, Father, I'm praying that right now in this room, somebody would just cry out a prayer of faith. Or if they're watching from their living room or a hotel room, they would simply say, God, forgive me. God, I'm a sinner. God, I cannot be good enough to get into heaven. I can't fix this mess that I've created of my own life, let alone change the mess that I live in, this world that I live in. God, I need you to move in and to take over and to take charge of my life. So I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering it all to you, which means from this point forward, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, Father, I will do it. I'm trusting you 
as my king, which means you call the shots in my life. I don't. And God, if that prayer is coming from a real heart, I know you hear it. In fact, the Bible says that you reward those who earnestly seek you. So I'm asking that you would honor it and you do a miracle in somebody's soul right now and you would change them from dead in sin to alive in Christ for the first time. Father, for brothers and sisters here in this room or who are watching that are struggling and just need to lock arms with a few others, would you give them the courage right now to just reach out and to get connected in this military group that we're starting just for them. For the believers, my brothers and sisters, these holy warriors who live on this earth to make an impact and to push back darkness, would you remind us we don't hope in politicians, we certainly don't hope in the military. No, we put our hope in the King of Kings and we believe that only He can fix this mess that we see around us. God, would you be glorified? by what we're praying to you right now. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.